0: Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. In this episode, we welcome Clinton. Clinton is 40 years old and born in Chicago. He grew up in the fast life and bright lights of Las Vegas. He is a survivor of sexual assault and is sharing his story to give hope to the voiceless or the ones in the seats at meetings that are afraid to tell their story. Please welcome Clinton. Before we get started, a disclaimer. This episode of the Sober Gay Sunday podcast gets very intense with Clinton and I speaking very candidly about issues of rape and murder. Listener discretion is advised.
1: A conversation, you know, like I said, my money had ran out. I had nowhere to go. I was living on the streets. I had a conversation with my sister, and the conversation went like this. And this was rock bottom for me. She called me, you know, and I was being my typical bullshit self. Um, And she said... uh, Clint, do you know what day it is today? She's like, and I'm like, what do you mean? And, you know, she's like, it's Donnie's birthday. Do you know your nephew? Do you need? Do you even know how old he is? And I'm like, wow, <laughs> bitch had to, bitch had to give me a low blow like that, huh? Right. <laughs> but it was the low blow I needed. Yeah, because I didn't know any of my nieces and nephews,
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: missed out on their beautiful lives, and they're aged from like sixteen to two. Um, and I have five beautiful nieces and nephews and, you know, they all, they all want to know me. They all call me Gunkle Clint. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I missed out on that. I missed out on a lot of life. Um, and that was a low blow I needed. You know, it wasn't the arrest. It wasn't, it wasn't any of that. It was that conversation for her to open my eyes. And, you know, so the next day I just looked in the mirror. And I I asked myself, am I happy with my life? Am I happy with myself? Do I love myself? Mm -hmm. And all the answers were no. Yeah. And I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was sick of living that life. I was sick of the fake ass people. I was just sick of fucking everything. I wanted to live a life I always dreamed about, but I wasn't. Because I was masking everything all these childhood traumas that had happened to me with drugs and alcohol because drugs and alcohol weren't a problem I had deeper problems than that
0: yeah
1: but I wasn't dissecting those problems or dealing with them um so I t- I looked myself in the mirror and I said I need help um so uh like two weeks before my 40th birthday I I uh, you know, I, I surrendered. I went to rehab, um, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure if I was done yet because outside of my rehab, I had hit an eight ball mm-hmm. in my pipe outside that, outside that outside that rehab because I knew I needed help, but I had no plan of action. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what rehab consisted of. I didn't know what sober living was. I didn't know what meetings were. I didn't know what a sponsor was. I didn't know any of that shit. Mm-hmm. Um I just know I needed help. Um, so yeah, um, I, I just I just know I needed help. Um, so I, I went, when I checked into rehab, they had me sit in this chair, and all the patients were going out to smoke break. And I thought to myself, "I'm going to be in the rehab with these people for thirty days. Oh Lord, help me." um um (laughs) but you know what something happened there something Mm -hmm. happened there i don't know what it was um something clicked you know they talk about a tool shed you need a tool for your tool shed well my tool shed was empty honey yeah it was empty i had you know but you know i um I failed my drug test when I got there because, like I said, I was using it until I got there. And yeah. the lady looked at me and she said, "I don't know if I can accept you." She said, "Promise me one thing. If I take a chance on you, you have to complete this thirty days." I said, "Honey, I will. I will." I said, "Yes, hundred percent. I will. I will complete this um, rehab." And uh, I became peer leader there. Um, you know, I uh, mm-hmm. I met my first sponsor there. Um, and, and, uh, you know, we had people come talk to us outside of there. And, um, I really, I was really one of those people that was excited to for, um, the meetings that we got in there, you know, mm-hmm. they always say meeting makers make it. No, honey, that's not the case. Meeting makers make meetings. The mm-hmm. real magic happens if you're present in those meetings. Yeah. And I was, I was in the front row. I was ready to hear their story. I was mm-hmm. ready for the light bulb to go off in my head. Um and people laugh at me when I say that because it's true. M- you can make all the meetings you want. Yeah. Let's be present in those meetings. Um and I was, and my tool shed got stacked with tools. Yeah. Um and and it was like, like I said, uh it was the best thing that happened to me. Um and I seen people hitting the phones calling sober livings and and, and I was like, what's the sober living thing that you guys are talking about? So, like, it's the best thing to do after rehab. You know, it's a place that you go where you still have accountability, you still get drug tests. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's see what I can do. Well, mind you, okay, I had I had my last paycheck come from work. Or, uh, like, a tech, uh, I, had, I had been working at this rooftop bar that I got while I was working uh, the trial on my case. Mm-hmm. So, I was working at a rooftop bar. Um, I had one last paycheck that came in my check for about, or my account for, like, $2,000. Um, and um, I'm like, cool. Now I have a little bit of money. So mm-hmm. when I get out, I can do something. So I picked the most expensive rehab to go to. <laughs> <It just didn't, laughs> I was there for two months, but it was, it was, it's what I needed. Yeah. Um, and I was blessed to uh, have some of the best roommates that um, I, 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 had, I had encountered in uh, rehab mm-hmm. um, and the accountability don't get me wrong. I did have some issues at my sober living because they're not the best. I had a house manager that was a, just a piece of work. Yeah. Um. He didn't like me because I reported him to his higher above because he was making sexual comments. Yeah. That I don't have to deal with anymore. I don't have to deal with that type of attitude anymore. I reported him. He found out about it. So he was trying to make my life a living hell because I was working. I was still working at the bar. I got a job at a bar. Uh, when I got out of rehab, everyone's like, are you sure you should do this? Yes, I am. I'm sure because I was working in the kitchen. Yeah. I wasn't working. In the. I wasn't working. I was doing something outside of my comfort zone. Uh, I needed money. Um, so he ended up getting fired. Um, I ended up leaving that rehab. I ended up getting accepted to a two-year residential program mm-hmm. uh, for people with HIV um, and substance uh, um, problems. Mm-hmm. free of charge for two years
0: wow
1: so that's where i'm at now uh so mind you i didn't tell you in my story that i did contract hiv mm-hmm. uh, in my in my in my uh addiction because when meth to me was sex meth and sex went hand in hand um yeah. and uh you know i went i went to go get tested one day with a friend i went as a support group for a friend and uh because he was so scared so i said i'll go with you I, i'm negative i'm i'm sure i'm negative yeah but you know what i was at steamworks every weekend doing what i was doing unprotected like i was i was having the you know you fuck with fire you may get burnt and i got burnt mm-hmm. um so they told me how i had hiv and i was i was devastated because i was so that oblivious and that lost in my addiction that i was like oh there's no way i can have hiv Why well, i did yeah um but today, and for me to even say that out loud, that's how much I've grown. Um, I'm okay with, I, I'm gonna, i going to, I'm okay. I'm I'm just, I have to take a shot every two months, but um, I'm okay. I'm going to live an okay life, a, a normal life. Um, so I'll get back to like, so I went to uh, this two-year residential program. Um, I found it, I worked at a CMA program and I worked at NA program. I found a sponsor. I'm working the steps. Yeah. Um, I I'm going to trauma therapy, which is the best thing I've ever done. Um, mm-hmm. it's really to say to even talk about my sexual assault out loud, never did before. You know, and um to say everything out loud has been such a healing experience for me. Really? Like at first, when I first gave my first lead, because I've given leads, um, Um, I couldn't, I cried the whole time. Mm. I was in a group, uh, the group was a Friday night meeting, 70 people. I cried. I couldn't look at anybody. I just looked at the floor and told my story. Mm. But the response that I got back from people was amazing. The feedback, the people crying in the audience, the people that went through sexual traumas that never talked about it, finally could talk about it that night because I did. Um, Yeah. And that was healing for me because, if, you know, my thing, my thing, the reason I share my story nowadays um, is because um, if I connect with one person and one person only and they can talk about their sexual assault, hey, I did my job. You know, I give voice to the voiceless. My friend who got killed when I was young, um, I give, his, you know, I, I give him a voice now. Um, I give a voice to those people that sit in those chairs that are scared to talk about their story. And hopefully one day they'll talk about their story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work a program. I work at, you know, and I have everybody around me tell me that I work a good program. And I just do what I need to do to stay sober. Um, you know, I do service work. Um, I do a lot of service work. I'm a coin guy. One meeting. I'm a setup guy. Another meeting. I'm already a GSR. Even at six months, uh, they waive that time for me to be a, a GSR. Um, I'm on uh the Roundup Committee, which is part of the CMA.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so I'm the co chair for food and beverage for uh the Roundup this summer in August in Chicago. Um so if anybody's coming to it, I'll see you there and all the you food know. and beverage is my part. So <laughs> <laughs> um so I I just I you know I do a lot of service work. I stay busy. Uh service work doesn't keep me sober. It keeps me busy. It keeps me it gives me a routine. Yeah. Um you know, and I have one saying that I always love to tell people, you know, my past was a mess, but my mess today is my message. Love that, you know, and, and that's all I can do. I can just, you know, talk about my story, talk about what I went through, give people hope, because if you would ask me where I would be six months from when I got out of uh, rehab, I would never t- I would never think that I was in the space the headspace. space. Uh, the healing part of where I'm at because I'm still broken. Don't get me wrong; I'm very broken. Um, but I was listening to your podcast one night, and I heard a gentleman say, "Hope, hope. hold on, pain ends," and yep. that changed my life. I so I give him credit when he when I heard that I mean, that that really really worked me, and I'm like, oh. I love it, you know. <laughs> and I still cry thinking about it because that's that's so powerful. Yeah. You know, and I and I heard you say, "Oh, I'm gonna write that down." I'm stealing it.
0: Yep. <laughs> it's it's um,
1: powerful. It is. It's very powerful. Um, so I'm building. I'm so now in in present day. I'm uh, I'm building those relationships that I burned with my family. Uh, we've come so close. You know, and I didn't know how much pain I caused my sisters just being absent in their life because of my addiction. Yeah. Um, just me not being present. Um. I went to my sister's surprise birthday party and uh, both of my sisters were there and they both like cried because right, they didn't know I was coming. They both came up to me and cried and said, you know, you're our best friend. We love you. We miss you. We're yes. so proud of you. Um, And that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it means more than I I, I can ever say because I love my sisters. And yeah. now I get to re- rebuild those relationships with them Um, and, you know, have my nieces and nephews. You know, my niece, she's... uh. Sixteen years old, and she's she's a black belt. She's uh wow. she does uh, MMA. She's a beast. Like I get to see her go to tournaments now. I get to be present. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandma, you know, and, and life shows up on life terms. And now I have the tools to work through life when life shows up. My grandma had just died uh, last month, but the beautiful thing is, for me being sober, I got to. She wasn't able to feed herself. I got to have that magi- a magical moment and go feed her. Yeah. Um, I was present for her. I got to tell her I loved her and I missed her. And I'm sorry for not being in her life and being absent for her life because I was wrapped up in addiction. You know, I got to tell her that and I got to be present with her and her final days. Um, so life shows up in life's terms. But you know what? The last thing I wanted to do was pick up. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, if I keep working my program, the promises they say they come that will come true will come true because my life today, on my worst day in sober, is better than my best day high. And I know that's cliche to say, but it's so fucking true. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really is. So that's all I have. That's my story.
0: As, I mean, that's an incredible journey. I mean, that is just you know, that's going to give so many people so much hope. It's, it's, it's dark, but it's so powerful that you can come through anything and you can conquer anything. And yeah, I mean, being present for your family and be present for the people around you, I think is one of the best gifts and that's definitely, you've really achieved that and that's fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Like being present to everything. I was never present. I was one of those guys that was so unreliable. Um, I would say I would show up. I'd never show up. If I did show up, it'd be days later. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, being present is big in me. I can be brutally honest with myself,
0: yeah, and be brutally
1: honest with employers about where I'm at in life, and I'm not ashamed of it.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love that. Mm -hmm. So, what's next for you? What's your plan? Like, now that you've really started to solidify yourself, I mean, if you could just like you know plot your life out in front of you, what would you do? Oh my god.
1: So just uh you know work these next years uh year and a half and where I'm at in sober living build that nest egg since I don't don't pay rent
0: yeah yeah build that's that amazing.
1: nest egg, so when I do get out in the real world I'll be prepared for it uh do a lot of traveling maybe some um maybe some uh speaking uh to high schools or whatever about trauma um I just want to be an advocate I really want to help people um I think that's my calling. You know, yeah. I've been been in the hospitality industry for a long, long time, and you know, mixology is a big, big part of my life. Um, and mm. I'm not talking just making a vodka cranberry. I'm talking about I think outside the box. I make wild cocktails. I make Instagrammable cocktails. I love that. I still want to do with that. I still want to deal with that in some yeah. capacity. Maybe start my own business doing that, like an event company.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: because I'm really good at what I do. Um. I know I'm gonna. I'm teaming up with a friend in Vegas who's a, a chef at the MGM Grand, and we're gonna write a cookbook, a cocktail, uh, a cook cocktail, a farm to table cookbook. Love that. Um, so yeah, my and I'm all about mocktails. Mocktails, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wants to feel inclusive nowadays, and mocktails. There's a big market for it. Um, yeah. I so. Tried. I just I just want to be a part of that and make my mark. I just want to help people. Amazing.
0: So who's like you biggest a right now? Who do you want to shout out that's really been um, your rock throughout all this? My dad.
1: <laughs> I get, I get, I I like it um my dad for, for sure. He's been my rock. He's been my he's been my everything um in my darkest days my dad's been there um my my brightest days, my dad has been there. My struggles, my dad has been there. My dad's been there. He's helped me out legally, you know, like fi- financially, for my legal problems. He's been my biggest supporter. He's been my biggest fan. Um, and you know, he's always asked me if he did a good job as a father, and I said, Dad, look at all your kids. I may be the only fuck up who had drug problems, but look at everybody else. you you're, you're, you're uh, all this time amazing. Has his own career his own business lives in vegas has his own house my two sisters have their own house they have great jobs they make more money than i can they bought my dad a car like and they're doing good um yeah so he did a good job you know i may have made poor choices in life but i'm not a bad person so you did well dad um so yeah my dad uh my foundation i built in sobriety uh people places and things uh my sponsor. I wanted to give a shout out to my sponsor. My sponsor is everything. Uh, I can talk to him about anything. I can. He gives me suggestions, and he says it's your life. You you live it how you want. I'll give you suggestions. You can take it or leave it. Yeah. Um. But he really listens to me. He really is an amazing guy. So shout out to Twig, um, <laughs> my sponsor. <laughs> but yeah, my dad love is my biggest supporter. Love that. So if you could give some advice to
0: someone that is uh newly sober, what would a good piece of advice be? You kind of touched on it earlier, but if someone walked up to you and said, "You know, I'm getting sober. What do I do?" Uh, you know, and I I love that you
1: said that um because I have a story about that, but uh, so I'll get to that. But uh, what advice I would give to somebody sober? Um, you know, I've had so many people reach out to me, um, since I've gotten sober that I actively used with that had said hey i need help what should i do oh yeah yeah come to a meeting with me you know i can i can support you in the right way i had this girl who was nine months pregnant who's still using who hit me up and says clint i need help help me i sent her to a women's shelter and she was on methadone and and they are the women's shelter where they would give you a ride to your methadone um clinic every day so i did that for her but um I have a really great story that I really want to share real quick. Yeah, of course. Um, so in my act of addiction, I was like I said, selling drugs. And there's this gentleman that I used to sell to, and um, I seen his life. He had the fiance, he had the house, he had the job, he had everything. Um, within a year span, he had lost his job, he lost his career, lost his wife or fiance. He was turning tricks with men to fuel his drug habit. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was straight. Um, and he was coming to me for drugs. So who's he to listen to me? Um, but I asked him one day, I said, are you happy with your life? And he said, yes, I'm happy. I said, I, in my head, I said, bullshit. Um, <laughs> I told him, I, I I told him to write me down a uh, pros and cons list of his life before drug use and after drug use. Um, and then I didn't hear from him again. So I was like, oh, I scared him off. Cool. You know, he won't be buying drugs for me anymore. Six yeah. months later, he hit me up and said, um, uh, he said, you've seen something in me that nobody's seen in me. He said, because of that, I turned my life over to God and I went to rehab and I've been clean and sober. There we go. But I didn't hear from him for like five years. And I'm leaving a meeting Sunday, last Sunday. And somebody said, hey, CJ. And people who call me CJ are people that I used to sell drugs to. So when you asked me in the beginning of the meeting, do you go by CJ or Clinton? I said, Clinton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Noted. So I turned around and I seen him. I didn't really recognize anybody. And then he came up to me. He's like, it's Ari. I said, oh my God. He's like, I've been, we need to run into you. He said, but I had to cut off contact with you because, you know, I was like, oh, I know. I get it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, People, places and things, honey. (laughs) I get it. Um, But he's like, I just want to thank you for you, for you telling me that, that conversation that we had that one night. I'm cleaning. So we're five years now. And I owe everything to you. So all I did was plant that seed. There you go. In the middle of selling drugs, too. That's wild. (laughs) In the middle of selling drugs, right? So he didn't have to take what I was saying seriously. He could have been like, fuck you, give me my drugs and let me go about my day. Mm -hmm. But I seen I seen it happening in front of my face and I couldn't stand there. And I had a heart. I I I had a heart. And I wasn't gonna sell to him anymore, anyways, if he didn't come back to me. And he never did. But that full circle moment, and I told him I was clean and sober too, and we just had a good moment, and uh it was a higher power people talk about, and I never talked about higher power in my story, because higher power, I didn't know what a higher power was, I didn't believe in a higher power, because why would there be a higher power, and put me through the trauma I went through. Yeah. So, but but today, my higher power are those people that fill those seats in the meetings, and that's yeah. okay for me, and I'm, I'm learning what a higher power is, so, yeah, uh long answer to a short question
0: that oh, was a great answer great answer there was a couple of times for me in active addiction too where I'd run into boys you know I'd be at a you know CD sex party and I'd run into a boys I knew out from like the nightclubs and it was just the scenes in Boston were very different you know the nightclub boys did their thing the meth boys did their thing and I was kind of in between both worlds and a couple of times I walked into a sex party and there was a guy I knew and he would just look at me and we kind of look at each other and be like what are we doing here yeah I would never think that you'd be here. I never thought that you is. So it's very similar, kind of like, you know, running into each other and just being so like baffled by like, you have this life and you're here. What is happening? So (laughs) I relate to that. Right. And one of the boys that I, that happened to was in my sober group here in Boston. And I was like, I, I tell you, we, you know, it we really kind of that interaction between the two of us set him into his sober life. It took me a little bit longer than him, but. Um, if you were going to yeah. give advice to someone like who has a loved one, that's inactive addiction, what would that advice be?
1: Uh, good question. Um, um, they're not ready until they're ready. Don't push them. It's going to make them run away. Right. I hate to show intervention because Me that's too. all they do. <laughs> right. Pop it. Get um, out of there. Yeah. I hate that. It's just like, they're going to, when they want, when they're ready and they're done, they're done. Like it took me, it took me four and a half years after I gave my friend that speech about I seen where your life is to yeah. so practice what I preached. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wasn't ready. Uh, you know, um, so don't push them. Just, just talk to them. Um, you know, just don't push them. Show them love. Just show them love. Um, yeah. You know, and that's all you can do. When they're ready, they'll be ready. They'll know.
0: Yeah. Great mm-hmm. Love that. So I run an organization here in Boston called Sober Gay Sunday, which is an event group for uh gay people in recovery. And we do stuff like axe throwing. We did beach days. We've done paint night. We've done some really cool things. So if you could plan one dream Sober Gay Sunday
1: event, what would it be? Okay. So I've heard that. I've heard. I have listen to your podcast i've been i've been practicing so this question i'm like oh my god what would i do i said Scott, I mean, yeah Scott, somebody said that already yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> what would i do so i would i don't so i would do like a sober gay cruise yeah because all the gay cruises that you go on now that are uh, that are gay they're all filled with drugs and sex and all that stuff which is whatever we do that's 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 how we do it um, culture. <laughs> But it is part of our culture. I didn't want to say that, but you did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, do do like a gay sober cruise? I think that would be cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. A bunch of my yeah. friends that are in my Boston um, group do like the Atlantis cruises together, and um, they just they like ball up and they just like stay okay. Okay, one yeah. little. I
1: see that because
0: I've. <laughs> I mean, my my roommate goes to the on the Atlantis cruises, and he's like, "You would love it. Have a great time." But I'm like, that's just so much of that. Because I'm a reformed circuit board myself. So, like, I was in that crew for a long time. And now, you know, but then some of the sober boys here were like, we just stick together and just whoop, you know? Mm-mm. So, But that I, a, a crew specifically for sober guys, I think, would be really Mm-mm. amazing. That would be so cool. Um, and just do what we used to do, but just drug-free and have a great time. Exactly,
1: today. exactly. You still have, you know, And I and I was worried about that. Like, is my life going to be boring now? Right? No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I do more things now than I've been sober than I did in my active addiction. Absolutely. When you're active addiction, you're trying to get that next one. And uh, out here, you're not and you're doing more things in life.
0: Yeah, it, it it like it like filters out all the bad and just like really you kind of live the good because I my first summer of sober, sober, um, I was with my friends in P-Town. I have this big sober group in P-Town. And we were just in the middle of tea dance, like smack dab in the dance floor. And I'm like, we're doing everything. We're making out with boys. We're like, you know, jumping in the bathroom on like, and it's all <laughs> stuff that we used to do, you know, but you walk away without that regret and, and those bad decisions, cause you're so present and it's it's really quite- And amazing. you
1: remember what you do. <laughs> exactly.
0: That's what makes a lot of my friends that are still, that use, not aren't necessarily addicts, but are still, you, you know, using or drinking, very wary. They're like, you're gonna remember everything we do. I'm like, you damn right I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yours your story has been absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm just so impressed and so in awe of kind of what you've gone through and what you've done. So this has really been incredible. If people want to find you, where can they find you on social media?
1: Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh I'm uh uh what is it? Uh Vegas, uh Vegas Virgo 83.
0: Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Good spot to find. And I mean, yeah. just your story and what you've gone through, people are really going to relate to what you've said. So I really appreciate you being on here.
1: Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to share my story, not just locally, but like worldwide. You know, I appreciate the platform for that. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much. It's been
0: awesome. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sober Gay Sunday. You can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay sober, guys.
1: So fast, to not say anything at all. It's wasted breath, you don't get back. So make it anything but small, small talk.